Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I'm going to be brief today, but I'm going to be very direct today. I I don't have anything deep or foreboding today. I don't have anything that's kind of eerie. I'm not going to try to come in some side door and bring some kind of hook that will jerk you out of the boat. I'm just going to preach the gospel today. I'm just going to preach the gospel, the pure, old-fashioned, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to speak on the subject today of the Tekoa Testimonial. The Tekoa Testimonial. What in the Sam Hill is that? Well, it's a, it's a country that had a woman who brought a word. And I'm going to read the text to you today from the NIV version of 2 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. It goes something like this. Joab, son of Zerah, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa and had a wise woman brought from there. He said to her, pretend you're in mourning. Dress in the morning clothes and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has, been, has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words to him. And Joab put the words in her mouth, what she should say. And when the woman from Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor. And she said, help me, your majesty. And the king asked her, what is troubling you? And she said, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Your servant, I, your servant, had two sons, and they got into a fight with each other in the field. And no one was there to separate them, and one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole clan has risen up against your servant, and they say, hand over the one who struck his brother down so that we may put him to death. For the life of his brother whom he killed, then we will get rid of the heir as well. They would put out the only burning coal I have left, leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. The king said to the woman, go home and I will issue an order on your behalf. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, let my lord the king pardon me and my family and let the king and his throne be without guilt. To the king replied, If anyone says anything to you, bring them to me, and they will not bother you again. Verse 11, she said, Then let the king invoke the Lord his God to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction, so that my son will not be destroyed as surely as the Lord lives. Not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. Speak, he replied. Here it is. The woman said, Why then... Have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son. Your son's still out there. Like water spilled on the ground, David, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. Some of the wisest words ever spoken to King David. Three chapters after Nathan the prophet had spoken to him about his own sin, David had another parable given to him. And once again, he fell for it because David liked parables. 
But the bottom line is simply this. A woman came to David one day and said, I got something to share with you, and it was all about David and his son. So I'm going to speak to you today on the Tekoa testimonial. Turn to someone and say, I'm going to help the pastor. He promises to be brief, and I will. <laughs> you may be seated. They say that Dr. Clarence Bass, early in his ministry, preached in a church in Los Angeles, and thinking he had done well, he was greeting people at the door when he was done. Many remarks when people came by were very complimentary, but one little old man commented, said, you preach way too long. <laughs> Bass wasn't phased by the remark in light of the many positive comments, but the old man came up again the second time, got in line again and said, you didn't preach loud enough, we couldn't hear you. And Bass thought, it must not have been a Pentecostal church. <laughs> Bass thought it strange that the man had come through the line twice, but the same little man came through the line the third time and exclaimed, you use way too many big words. And Bass needs some explanation. So he went up to one of the deacons. He said, who's that little old man over in the corner? Who is that? And the deacon said, oh, don't pay any attention to him, doctor. All he does is go around and repeat everything he hears. <laughs> He's the echo. A married couple had a boy that was difficult to raise, and he caused all types of problems in school and neighborhood and even at home and one year the couple went on a trip to Europe and while the boys stayed with relatives and they went to one country to another and they would send back postcards to their son of the sites they saw they visited France they visited Germany they visited Greece and while in Greece they sent back a postcard to their son with this message today on our tour son we came to a cliff over which Greek women were said to have once thrown their defective children wish you were here You know, miles may separate parents from a child, but the umbilical cord of love is rarely, rarely torn asunder. One of the tragedies of life occurs when parents and children are separated, not merely by school or job responsibilities, but instead they're separated by angry words, rash deeds that can sever the tie that binds parents and children. We've all disagreed, you know that, quarreled with our parents and Parents don't know anything when you're 16, 17 years old. And they get real smart when you're about 25. But if we're parents, we've not always agreed that curfew time should be about 3 o'clock in the morning. We hadn't agreed to that. And are that such good ideas like drop out of school is a great one, you know. Disagreements are natural in every parent-child relationship. Teenage rebellion against parents is part of the growing up process. And the problem comes when both parent and children are adults and have come to distrust and at times even hate one another. Roberto Flack sang a lyric a long time ago, the first time I ever saw your face, and how much she loved the person that she was speaking of, and it's amazing how we can hug those babies and hug them close and hug them tight, and I love to kiss your babies when they come on the porch on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, but those kids come up and they have their own ideals and their own ideas and their own set of principles that they're going to live by, and many times it crosses ours. But David's life was not anything like that. It wasn't just about petty ideas and petty things. He had a son named Absalom that got so angry at another son named Amnon because Amnon had raped his own sister Tamar that Absalom had killed. He had killed Amnon. He had killed him. So David, David had a son that he had to grieve over while he had a son that he had to worry about because the boy that had killed Absalom who had killed Amnon had fled to Upper Galilee 
to get away from the, from the Jewish law because he knew that his head would be required and he knew that they would take him down even though he was a king's son. And David had a problem with that and David wrestled with that. He didn't know how to handle that. And so he wanted the boy back, but he didn't want the boy back at the expense of losing him. And he wanted the boy back, but he didn't want him back at the expense of saying, you're just going to get by with murder. He had a feeling in his heart. And so Joab saw this. Joab was his chief of staff. And, and, and Joab saw this. And he, he went to Tekoa. He went to a little country that later cradled the head of the prophet Amos. And he went there and he found this wise woman. He found this woman who was a great speaker. And she could create stories and she could call things and, and make things up and create stories that bless people. And he went and talked to her. He sent an emissary to talk to her and said, I want you to come. And, and when she came, he said, I want you to do something for me. I want you to dress yourself in black and I want you to be mourning. I want you to act as if that your sons are dead, that one son is dead and the other son has killed him and you are grieving over one that has died and the other that is still alive. And so they made this story. They created this scenario for her to walk in to David and tell David what had happened to her own family. And when she walked in, she told a story just as Joab had laid it out for her and she was a storyteller. And so she told it very, very good. And when David heard it, he, his eyes and his face and his features became sorrowful and he recognized that this woman was in trouble because the Bedouin policy, the Bedouin, Bedouin creed was that the perpetrator had to die just as the boy that had been killed had died. And so she said, David, we, 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 I've got this problem. I need some help. And so David, David ordered an official edict. He said, you know, uh, your boy will not die. You have come to me. You have asked for mercy. I will give that mercy. He said, tell everybody that if they even lay a hand on that boy, if they even touch a part of him, they'll have to answer to me. And so she, she almost was ready to walk out. Then she turned around and she said, why are you doing this to your people? Why are you doing this to your own folks? And David looked at her and he realized that he had been trapped in something because she told the exact story that David was living with his own sons. Amnon had died because of Absalom, but Amnon had committed a horrible sin and Absalom had made him pay, but Absalom had fled and David had one boy in the grave and one boy gone and he didn't know what to do because he was in a cross pull of life. A lot of us live in those cross pulls and you know what I'm talking about when you don't know exactly which way to go. And this woman comes to him and she says, three powerful truths to him. She said, David, we all have to die. That's just the way it is. Everybody's got an appointment. We all have to die. And then she said, but where's water spilled on the ground? And once that water is spilled on the ground, you can't take it back. You can't retrieve it. What she's saying is there's some things when, when it's lost to the ground and when the ground soaks it up, you can never bring that water back to drink in proportions again. You'll never be able to restore that water back from the ground again. And you understand that water can't be retrieved after it's poured out on the ground. I'd like to tell you that I wished I could have introduced her to Jesus back then. Because I know a, I know a Savior that can take water on the ground and restore it back. Hallelujah. I know somebody that can take plans that have gone askew and put them back in your life. I know somebody that can take a future that's been dimmed and dismal. God loves everybody. I want everybody to hear that today in this auditorium. God loves everybody in this house today. He's no respecter of person. Look at your neighbor and say, he loves me as much as he loves you. Come on. Look at somebody in front of you and say to yourself, he loves me just as much as he loves the preacher in the pulpit today. I'm loved by Almighty God. Isn't that a great feeling? He's no respecter of person. He's no respecter. And then she said, he devises ways. He devises means. Boy, I love this. 
There's a God that devises means by which his banished shall not be expelled from his presence or his glory. God has a way of devising means. Wow. In other words, God knows how to figure things out. When you've run out of answers and when you've run out of questions even, God knows how to figure things out and put them back together. When that child you thought you'd never see again, God knows how to bring that child back into restitution in your life. When that situation of an indebtedness and you thought it could never be paid, God finds a way to take care of those things for us. When you didn't have a way, he said, I will make a way in the wilderness. I will be- I'll cut a path where you don't think there could ever be a path. And I'll put water in a dry place for you because that's the God that I serve today. It's an awesome thing to understand that when you think that everything is over, God's just getting started. Wow, wow, wow. And so she said, hey, we all die. We're all as water spilled on the ground. You can't get it back. But God's no respecter of persons. And he does devise means whereby his banish shall not be expelled from his presence. And so David heard that and he realized, I've got to get my boy. And so he gets some kind of emissary, gets some kind of group of people. I don't know who he gets. Bible doesn't say how he went and got Absalom, but he went and got Absalom. But I know he didn't go by himself. I know he didn't go up there and fetch him himself. Because kings didn't do it that way. Even when Mephibosheth was fetched from Lodabar, from his uncle Makar's house, the lame prince, Jonathan's son, he sent somebody to fetch him because kings just didn't do that kind of stuff. They always sent somebody else. But she said, God, listen, she didn't say you king, she said God. Devise is a means. Whereby the banished shall not be expelled from his presence. Can I fast forward and just talk about the son of David? Because David became the king of Judah. He became the the, the leader of the Judaic tribe. And and he became the praise king. And he became the worship king. And it was through his lineage. Even though though he said, I was born in sin and shape and iniquity. It was through his lineage that Jesus Christ came. And Jesus Christ is called the son of David. And when somebody wanted a miracle in the New Testament, they didn't call him anything but Jesus Christ, the son of David, because they recognized his kingship. They didn't call him Jesus of Nazareth because nothing good came out of Nazareth. But if you wanted something from Jesus, you called him the son of David. And and Jesus recognized when he was called the son of David that you recognize his kingship. You understand he was more than just a man. And he was a king of kings and the Lord of lords walking on this earth. But his kingdom was not of this world. And so I'm going to bring you four little short stories, four little snippets here today because I don't have long to preach, but I'm going to bring you four little snippets here today that let you know that the Tekoa testimonial really was about Jesus Christ winning people to himself. I want to bring you John chapter 4 just real quick. Just stay with me now. Just a brief little biographical sketch here. Just a little cleft note version of this story. Jesus tells his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. Isn't it awesome? I've got to go through Samaria. Why? Well, I want to go sit on a well. Why? Well, there's something going to happen there. But you boys go buy lunch because you won't understand. I have meat to eat that you know not of. And he goes and sits on a well at high noon. And a woman comes to draw water. Now, maids usually drew water at evening time. But this maid was a different kind of maid. She did not have a husband. She had a man she was living with. And she had been married five times. And she was a woman that had a past. She had a past that was treacherous. She had a past that was horrible. She had a past that was so negative. She had a past that was, you could just throw it in in the deep ocean and it it would survive because it would always come back to haunt her. But one day, 
she came to a well and there was a man sitting on a well. She had, <laughs> she had five husbands living with the sixth man. But when she met the seventh man, when she met completeness, he gave her a brand new beginning. And he started her all over again. And on that well, he told her, I will give you water to drink that you know not of. But if you drink this water, you will never thirst again. Hallelujah. And she drank of the water and she left her water pots and went back to the city and said, come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. And he is the Messiah. Come see him. And they came to see him. Beautiful story. A God dealing with a woman's past. The second story I want to tell you happens in Mark 5. It happens in a place called Gadara. Because there at Gadara was a man that was bound by demons. In fact, the Bible said his name was Legion. Legion was his name. And Legion dwelt among the tombs and he cut himself. And he broke the chains that they tried to bind him with. And it was absolutely horrible what the man went through in his life. What I see in him was that he probably once was a sound businessman, probably had a sound business, probably had a family, probably had children. And he allowed some little problem to get a hold of him and some little spirit to get in him. And those demons started collecting. They started gathering because they saw an open spirit and they started coming into him. And before you know it, he was a wild man. He was a, he was a wicked man. And they couldn't contain him, so they just kept him in a graveyard. And a man that had a future going nowhere, he didn't have any kind of future at all. But one day, a boat docked at the shore of Gadara and out stepped a man named Jesus Christ. Mm. And he was the first one that ever came to Gadara that didn't have a whip or a chain in his hand. He wasn't there to tie him up. He wasn't there to beat him under. He was there to release him. He was there to release him. And when the Gadara demon, when the, when the Gadara demoniac saw Jesus, he came running to him. And even 2,000 spirits could not stop that man from praising Jesus Christ. He bowed down to him. I want to stop right now and say, devil, I don't care how strong you get. You can't stop anybody from praising Jesus Christ. You can't stop anybody from magnifying Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody needs to get excited right now. There is no power that can stop anybody from giving God glory because he is the one worthy of our praise today. Mm. Huh. And he comes running, falls down. Jesus said, what's your name? He said, Legion, for we are many. And Jesus said, come out of him. And the man fell down. He picked him up. And he put those demons in a herd of swine. They jumped off the cliff and fell in the water, drowned. That's a good thing for them. And the man who had no future got a great future in one day. Because God devised his means by which his banished shall not be expelled from his presence. The third person I want to tell you about is a woman didn't even live in Israel. She lived in Tyre and Sidon. You'll find her story in the book of Luke. She lived in Tyre and Sidon. She was just called the Seraphonician woman. Just a quick biographical sketch of her. She had a daughter who was devil-possessed. She had a daughter who had demons in her. And when Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon, you've got to understand this. This is the only time in his ministry, guys, the only time in his ministry he ever crossed the border and went into Tyre and Sidon. The only time in his ministry he never went again. 
but he went for one reason. He went to find a woman who had a daughter. He went to find a family who was dysfunctional. He went to find somebody that said, I can't control my kids. Can you help me with that? And Jesus crossed the border and talked to a Gentile girl and sped up the process because he was going to deal with us later in Acts chapter 10. But he sped up the process and said, I'm going to handle you right now. And he said, daughter, I have not found so great faith because she fell down and worshiped him. As a Gentile, she worshiped a Jewish man. And the Bible said, the disciples said, get her out of here. Let her leave us alone. We don't want her in our presence. And Jesus stopped them and said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, but the dogs do eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, I hadn't found faith like this. Great is thy faith. Thy daughter is made whole. Oh, somebody help me right now. I'm talking about a Savior. I'm talking about a Savior. So he dealt with the, with the, the, the Sychar lady's past. He dealt with the demoniac's future. And he dealt with the Syrophoenician woman's present. But he had one more, one more place he had to go. He went in John 11 to a place called Bethany. Let me give it to you real quick. A man named Lazarus had died. And he got the news when he was sick and he didn't go. He said... I'm not going. He waited two more days and then he finally left. And he told his disciples, he said, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sake that I wasn't there. Because if I was there, all they'd see was a healing. But I'm fixing to do something to him that nobody's ever seen before. I'm fixing to raise somebody from the dead, from corruption. The Jews didn't believe in embalming. So after three days, the body was already had corruption in it. And he said, it's all right. I can take corrupt things. Oh, my God. I can take things. <laughs> I don't have long. You're going to have to help me a little bit. I can take things that people said, oh, it's killing me. It's just driving me crazy. It's, blump, it's, it's gone corrupt in my house. We don't have any answers. We can't breathe in this house. There's no answer for us. Get ready, get ready. God's coming. Here comes, here comes the divisor. Here comes the means. And he walked up to that grave. Neither, never mind Mary and Martha. He walks up to the grave and he said, roll away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And here come Lazarus out of that tomb in grave clothes. He said, loose him and let him go. And Lazarus said, I'm alive. <laughs> Can I preach right, about two minutes right now? He's not a normal king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's not a David. He's not a Saul. He's not a Hezekiah. He's not an Old Testament king. When he gets ready to do his business, he doesn't send a committee. He doesn't send an emissary. He doesn't send anybody else. He comes himself. He comes himself because that's the way he devised it. You need something today? I've got a Savior. You need something today? I've got a Redeemer. You need something today? I've got a Healer. I've got a healer. <laughs> you know, most kings will sit on the throne. You know what I can't handle? I can't handle pastors that preach a personal savior and they don't get personal. I'm a pastor. Where's my bodyguards? You know what those guys are doing? They're preaching something that makes people mad. The gospel is good news. And I'm telling you right now, if you've got something you can't crawl out from under, 
If you've got a future you can't get past, if you've got a past that you can't forget, if you've got a present that's worrying you to death right now, I know a Savior that'll devise a means. I know a Savior that'll devise a means that your banished will not be expelled from his glory. Somebody say amen to that right now. And he won't send me. He won't send anybody else. He'll come himself. That's exactly what he did. He came and died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended. And he's coming back. I'm telling you, it's time to celebrate Jesus in this house this morning. It's time to celebrate him. You know, I think getting saved ought to be like falling in a swimming pool on the shallow end. I think it ought to be so easy. Why do we make it so hard to come to Jesus? Why do we make it so hard to come to Jesus? Huh? Well, I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid. Had an old boy. In church years ago in Dallas, said, don't come around here with that ghost talk. Don't talk about that ghost. I'm scared of them ghosts. Don't talk about that ghost to me. Scared to death of Jesus. He's the only one in the Bible that said, peace. Be still. He's the only one that said, fear not. 365 times, one for every day of the year. Don't you understand? He don't have, you don't have to be afraid of him. He's your Savior. Oh, I'm preaching right now. He's your Savior. He's your Savior. Why is it so hard to fall in love with somebody that's been seeking you all your life? Because you see, you didn't choose him. He chose you. Huh? Huh? I don't want to get real smart aleck here with him this morning. But I'm just preaching him so strong right now. I feel pretty confident in him right now. He's able to heal the sick in this house right now. There's cancers in this house that the Lord's able to touch right now. Amen. There's family dysfunctions the Lord's able to touch right now. There's futures that you don't know how you're going to get out of the problem. God's able to touch those right now. There's past that you can't get over. God's able to touch those right now. Because I feel a gift of faith coming up in my heart to tell you he is a personal personal savior to you today he's personal he's personal why is it so hard you know I read the other day on online that Houdini was a great escape artist you know and you know the only jail that he couldn't get out of the only jail they locked him in prisons they locked him in all kinds of behind bars and he could pick the lock of everything the only one he couldn't get out of was one that never was locked that's a true story. If you don't believe me, read it yourself. It's the stupidest thing I've ever read in my life. He couldn't, get, he couldn't get out of one that was locked, unlocked. All he had to do was lean against it and he'd fall on his face. That's how salvation is. You want to make it hard. It ain't hard. All you have to do is trust somebody greater than you. You've got to trust Jesus today. You must trust Jesus today. It ain't hard. Anybody here want Jesus today? Anybody here need healing today? Anybody here need salvation today? Anybody here need baptism? Come on. It ain't hard. 
close. I, I can't preach long. They won't let me. <laughs> Hadn't we enjoyed Brother Ricardo today? Come on, Randy. Come help me. I read a, I read a story this week. Pretty neat story. I, I think I need to share it with you. Pretty neat story. It, uh, it entails an attorney who had people who didn't pay him properly. And they owed him a lot of money. And uh, so he decided what happened. He, he found the Lord. And he decided to write 16 letters to his 16 top billing clients that he had billed. He decided to write them to forgive their debt. Just forgive it. Just forgive their debt. And so he writes these 16 letters and he sends them certified mail. Because <laughs> he wants to make sure they get them. You have to sign for certified mail. And when they open it up, the letter says, Hi, this is so-and-so, and I have forgiven you all your debts. Everything you owe my firm, everything you owe me personally, it's all forgotten. I'm washing it away. I'm forgiving you. All you have to do is sign at the bottom of this letter and say, I receive your forgiveness. That's all you got to do. And out of 16, somebody's saying amen back here. <laughs> out of 16 letters that he sent out, you ready for this? Only one came back. And they had to sign for the letter. What they were afraid of was when they opened the letter, it was going to be bad news and not good news. And only one person was brave enough to open the letter, probably with trembling hands and saying, my God, I'm forgiven. And he signed the paper and his debt was released. It's so easy, folks. It's so easy to fall in love with Jesus Christ. It's so easy to find him in your life and in your heart. Can I get a witness? We have made this salvation thing hard. We've made it so difficult. It's not difficult today. All you have to do is stand up and take a step. And when you take a step, he'll be like the prodigal father. He'll come running towards you. Because he sees a heart that wants him and he's already chosen you. Or you wouldn't be here today. What a joy. I got a letter for you today. Anybody want to open it up? There's healing in this house for you. There's salvation in this house for you. There's victory in this house for you. There's a future today for you. Your past is forgiven today. Your present can be taken care of today. And the things that you thought were just overwhelming you and it buried you. Lazarus, you can come out of your grave today and walk in victory and get out of grave clothes and say, I've been set free. Because that's what the woman of Tekoa's testimonial was all about. It wasn't about you, David. It was about God. Devises means by which his banished shall not be expelled from his presence. And God came in the form of Jesus Christ. He was God in the flesh. And he walked among us. And he healed the sick and raised the dead. But those four things the woman of Sychar, the demoniac of Gadara, the little Syrophoenician woman in Tyre and Sidon, and Lazarus in a buried tomb, 
represent the four principles of life that we all have to face. And Jesus just came and told me to tell you today that he'd take care of every one of them if you just surrender your heart to him today. Why is it so hard to trust Jesus? Why is it so hard to believe that he can do anything? I wish I could tell you that. But I can't. Because when the going got tough for me, I trusted him more than I ever did in my life. And he didn't fail me. When my brother took his life in 1992 and I had to go do his funeral, I didn't think I could stand there and say a word without weeping and crying. I thought it'd be all over, but the Lord gave me peace because he was my personal Savior. He was mine. He devised a means. He devised a means. He devised a means. And today he wants to devise something for you personally. He wants to tailor make your salvation for you, tailor make your healing for you, tailor make your deliverance for you. That's the kind of Jesus that he is. Would you stand to your feet? You're awesome people. I'm asking the singers to come. I'm asking Brother Ricardo to come. Amen. 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 I'm asking our prayer counselors to come right here, right now. I'm asking our prayer counselors to come. We're fixing to baptize. How many do we have back there, guys? All right. We have 11 to baptize in this service. Amen. So it's not going to take long. But I think we need to pray. Come on, counselors. Come on. Come on, counselors. Anybody need healing today in your family? Come on. Anybody need healing today in your family? And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.